What was the other question? About the con your consecration. My consecration. Um, Only if you feel comfortable talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I feel comfortable talking about it. Great. first time the Lord spoke to me about about uh, consecration, it was kind of funny because uh, it was um, in a party and uh, he said to me that he would like me to consecrate my womanhood to him, which would mean very different things to different women. But for me, for some, some reason, I immediately understood it in the context of celibacy. He gets really angry and really upset and cried and came home kicking things and, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, a friend of mine, uh, Terry Selmer from, uh, from our North family, she called, she's a Catholic woman, um, and one of my uh, spiritual mentors, she called from America uh, by some, uh, probably by direction of the Holy Spirit and she said, Mariana, okay, you know, I understand you're upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> So was it a command? Like, did it feel like a command or like a request? I said, well, it felt like a request. And she said, well, then you can say no. <laughs> oh, yeah, can I? No! <laughs> Thank you, no! Um, <laughs> That's what you said to God? Yes. Okay. Yes, and I felt so happy. <laughs> I was like, that's good, that's wonderful, that's okay. Um, um, we I, see how well that's worked out for you before. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Not, not learning, learning nothing. <laughs> uh, so, um, I had, um, it's, it's, when I was uh, 29, I had a shower epiphany. I was in the shower talking to God, and I said, Lord, I, I find it very frustrating that I'm 29 and I'm not married. Uh, if I knew when I was 19 and I was uh, committing my life to you that that's what would happen, I would have thought twice, because that's not something that I was back then prepared for. And it's, I still find it very frustrating. And uh, the Lord said to me, why are you blaming me? <laughs> and I was so shocked. I was like, I had a shower hand in my hand, and I was like, <laughs> uh, is there someone else out there? Like, <laughs> Who am I supposed to blame? Who am I supposed to blame? <laughs> uh, and then I had kind of like a, a little film screened in my head of uh, my past relationships and how I sabotaged every single one of them. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then and, and in the end I was just standing there and I said okay God you know I see this is this is a pardon and it's like one I'm either so broken that I'm not capable of sustaining a functional relationship oh, and I want you to heal me because that's about time you know I'm 29 it's time or I'm not not meant to be married, so I want I want to know. And that's it was in spring in the summer. I was in Maranatha family retreat, the Father Peter's group. And in the end of that retreat, some of us, just girls, we got together for the sort of a personal personal retreat for just a group of us. And the presence of God was very, very strong. And we, like even when we'd done very mundane things like cooking dinners and just chatting, you could feel I was like, huh. and I was sitting with a friend of mine, that friend that got married in Israel la later on, her name is Judith, 
she's Hungarian, Catholic. And we were talking, we were sitting on the couch and we were talking. And she said, when I was a young girl and I became a, a, a Catholic, because she comes from a secular family, she said, I really wanted to become a nun. But she said that the monastic communities of women scared me half to death. And I said, oh, yeah, my gosh, they're so scary. And she said, you know, uh, there were several things I couldn't, under couldn't understand. The idea of a group of women being locked together, just very high anxiety thought. And she said, and the other thing was how nuns became less when they consecrated their lives to the world. Hmm. And they became this like gray mousy beings. And you look around and there's like gray mousy women walking around. And so it shocked me that dedicating your love and your life to the king of the universe would make you less. And she said that and I was processing it in my spirit and then the Holy Spirit came, came on me. And I felt his presence very, very strongly. And, and the Lord said to me that he invites me to consider uh, consecrating myself to him and being just for him. Uh, and I will never have to become less. I will only become more. And there is no expectation on me to become less myself. I can become more. And I felt his love so strongly that I was actually high on that for about six months. Like every time I was a bit losing that, I just had to go to that place in my head and I was like, <gasps> back into that high. Um, I think the mystics of the middle century, middle, uh, centuries called that uh, ecstasy you know that was that that place very very few things mattered so however practically I am a Jewish girl from secular home who is part of a Jewish messianic community generally evangelical theology what I knew about nuns was this nuns are wives of God uh, they live in a lock-up, basically, <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> and they contemplate a lot. So they're like those quiet, peaceful little things that aren't very contemplative. And I was like, Lord, I think you're mistaken here. I think you don't really want me. I think you want someone else, because <laughs> I'm not that. <laughs> and also, it was just so strange. I, I, I couldn't grasp it in my head, so I came back. Uh, from Europe to Israel and I talked to my pastor and I also talked to Terry Selner from the States and I said this is what I believe the Lord spoke to me and both of them said the same thing they said put it on the back burner don't stir it don't touch it don't think about it don't process it in your spirit completely on the back burner go back to it in six months to a year see what happens if it grows without you constantly stirring it wonderful if it's disappears wonderful but don't constantly process it just leave it don't talk about it to people leave it so that's what I've done and then about six months later I went to my first Ahana meeting and I was put in a my roommate was uh, Sister Agnes from uh, not Sister Agnes from Syria oh, but Sister oh, Agnes yeah. from Jerusalem yeah. Agnes Stas. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, I've never heard her called sister. Huh? 
I've never heard her called Sister Agnes, just Agnes. Well, she's yeah. a sister. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Sister Agnes also, we've also talked with both of them. And I remember when I saw her being my roommate, I immediately knew, like, okay, I can talk about it. And I said, Agnes, you know, here's the deal. Nuns, wives of God, so weird. Like, so weird. I need something <laughs> to help me with that, you know. And she goes, oh, no, 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 sweetie, no. Not wives, no wives, brides. <laughs> and I'm like, mm. okay. And then the other thing that I've heard that was actually the only teaching on celibacy I've heard in evangelical churches, I don't know if you guys were luckier than me, <laughs> was that uh, basically the sign for you to be celibate is having no sex drive. If you have absolutely no sexual desire, you're good for celibacy. There is something, <laughs> something like in that, in that accord that yeah, that's what in the scripture, like Paul, Peter is writing about and, that. And, uh -huh. Like there's one yeah, line right there, uh, and and she <laughs> said, yeah, and I, and I brought that after her, and she said, oh no 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 no, she said, this is the whole point, like like an engagement, and you are withholding from you are keeping yourself away from sexual contact as a sign that you're waiting. So if you actually don't have sexual drive, it will make you sort of, this whole thing unnecessary, yeah, irrelevant, prophetically. It has to be, mm -hmm. you have to be fully there. You have to be alive, you have to be vibrant. You can't be like half, half dead sort of a sleep person and then, then that makes you good for that. It's not at all. So she said, and I said, okay, and she said, it's not, um, it's not like, she said, I've heard also people saying that if, if you don't want to have children or if you don't, that, then it's good. She said, no, it's not, it doesn't have to do with your desires. It have to have to do with a greater desire that says, okay, I'm willing to put all the other desires on hold for that greater desire. And I said, well, that makes perfect sense. And then I had some time with Sister Agnes from Syria. And I and I've asked her, I said, Sister Agnes, you know, what are the examples, you know, of a New Testament celibacy? You know, we all know Paul, but, you know, are there, is there anybody else? And she looked at me like I'm completely senseless. And she's like, Jesus? And that was, I know it's probably funny, but that was the first time I realized that a 33-year-old male in the Middle East back, back then stays not married. It's a conscious decision. They were married by 14. At 13, they could have gotten married. So uh, technically, in the, at that time in the Middle East, he would have been married with many children. Yeah. It, the fact that he wasn't, and she says, Jesus, you can't get married. He has a bride. And it's just moved me so deeply. And I came home back from that meeting, and I knew that in the six months, my desire for it grew instead of disappeared. And I also knew that for me, it has to be public. Uh, that it's some kind of a sign to the messianic body and it has to be public for uh, other young messianic believers to know that there is an option that that is one of the mm -hmm. options mm -hmm. out there um, 
so uh, we worked on the on the liturgy of my consecration back then and had a ceremony and it was very beautiful and at that time I've decided that I want to consecrate one year at a time mm -hmm. for a period of time because I didn't really know how I I didn't know how long if it's a lifetime or if it's a season and uh, I've consecrated uh, five years, a year at a time, and then I consecrated f another five years, a year and a half ago. And after that, this the, the Lord basically spoke to me and told me that what He wanted to, for me is to consecrate my youth to Him. And after this five years, I can make a decision whether or not mm -hmm. I want to stay in vows, or, or if not, I'm free. But He wanted me to have my youth consecrated uh, and that's and I think I think it has basically when well now when I'm looking back and I'm thinking you know when I, me saying God I'm the wrong person for that I think now I understand why it's me and not someone quiet and contemplative because uh, there was a lot of attack on it and a, a many times mm. where I had to defend that and be articulate about it and stand up for what mm. I sense the Lord is leading me to do, but also introducing it to other young women in the land. Uh, and I have quite in a wide contact with young women in the land. It's sort of made it very visible, and I do believe that the Lord is, is raising a, a stream a movement of a messian of messianic celibates. The um, book of Revelation is talking about 134,000 yep. of them. Stay close to Jesus. Mm -hmm. They sing songs no one else knows. No one else knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mine was five years too. Well, like, give me five years and I'll be distracted. At the end of the five years, I was like, hey, I'm going to get to get married one day. And it was like, give me your singleness. And I'm like, okay. And then after that, I was like, what was I thinking? But then I'm like, ah, what was I thinking? Ah. Hmm. You know, it's just that baby wars, the, the battles are tiny and smaller. They're not battles, but it's just like. It's also more difficult to live that lifestyle without a context of a celibate community around you. Mm. Uh, and you probably need uh, your your community mm -hmm. to um, be supportive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Lord's definitely giving me some of this sometimes. My my pastor's wife was constantly trying to set me up <laughs> until, until I rebelled and yelled at her. I would come to dinner in their house, and there was always a, a guy there. Oh. <laughs> Not interested. Uh. <laughs> he just asked you for your youth, and then he—he uh, he, he wasn't specific in the beginning. But in the last five years, uh, like when I've consecrated the last five years, I had a sense that there is something else coming in the end of this five years, and I was praying about that. And um, and then um, I asked a prophetic friend to pray for me, and she doesn't actually know anything about that thinking about and she was she just I said I have a question to God and I need an answer and she said okay yeah I can pray for you. Um, and so she puts her hand on me and she goes well 
he says five years. He wants his five years. Does it mean anything to you? Or like, oh, okay. He wants five. His five years. And then when she stopped praying, he spoke to me and he said, "I want your youth." Then he's gonna release you after the five years, or he, uh, I, uh, after after five years, I will have freedom to decide again what okay. I want to do. But the, the his invitation expires. So if I will want to continue in that way, I'll continue. And if I feel like I would rather not, I would not. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mariana. Yeah. yeah.